A mighty feast of hot steaming music brought to you in stereo by bostonfreeradio.com. Boston Free Radio has no corporate agenda. We're independent media for the people. Your music, your voice, your station. Good, y'all. The indefinable Sterling Golden is in the building. This is the Chop Session. We thank you once again for locking in for this award-winning series here on BostonFreeRadio.com, powered by 320 Entertainment. As we conclude our observance of Women's History Month for the month of March, as we talk with some of the baddest boss ladies in our community and far beyond. Now, in case you miss an episode of the Chop Session or you tune in late, Say no more, fam. We got you. You can hear each and every episode of our series wherever you listen to podcasts. Just subscribe to The Chop Session with Sterling Golden wherever you love podcasts, and you can catch each and every episode of our series. And tonight is no exception because we have here on the line to conclude our celebration of Women's History Month, global fashion designer, Glencora, you are on the line right now with the shop session. Glencora, happy Monday evening. How are you, love? Hi, I'm super excited to be here. Thank you for for being so nice. <laughs> hey, it is our honor to have you here this week on the shop session, Glencora. Greatly honored to have you here. And what can I say? You know, there's so much ground to cover, a lot to unpack here tonight on our show. So, first of all, how are you doing? I'm doing amazing, and I'm, I'm, I'm getting so much inspiration from this country that I'm super happy to share so many um, news and uh, to see how many opportunities everybody has in the fashion industry. Absolutely. So, Glencora, let's get right into our conversation here this week. So, I guess my first question to kick this thing off is when did you first realize you wanted to pursue a career as a designer? It's crazy, but I know that I want to become fashion designer when I was um, 10 years old. Mm -hmm. I started when I was um, maybe seven, sewing um, clothing for my Barbies. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then I just started to follow everything that I can. Yeah. I love it. So you mentioned that you started off with uh, just kind of doing it as just designing clothes for your dolls and things like that's an interesting place to start, I have to say. So I guess let's just kind of delve into that a little bit. So what was that like for you? You know, I mean, what was it like to design for your toys as a child? And then you go, you know, one day I can see myself growing up doing this as a career. I don't know. Since I'm little, I I just having like a passion for fabrics. And um, my mom used to take me to uh, fabric stores because she used to go a lot to seamstress and always take me to nice boutiques to get nice dresses. So um, to looking beautiful since I was a little girl. But um, when I was 10 years old, um, one of my aunts came from um, the United States to Ecuador. 
Mm-hmm. And I asked her, what are, you lo- what are you doing for a living? And she said, come. So she sat me next to her. She got a, a, a book, a, pe- a pencil, and I started sketching. Mm-hmm. And she just told me, look this. I am a fashion designer. So I look at her and I say, oh, wow. So I, I started getting inspiration for everything. And I think fashion so, has so much to offer because there is a, a lot of beauty on it. And not just beauty, you can even uh, work and have a very powerful message like, you know, we have sustainability. Mm-hmm. We have so much work to do with the planet. And yes. uh, in terms of educating kids and mm-hmm. too. Definitely. Now, one thing about Glencora is that you are what they call an eco-friendly fashion designer, eco-fashion, if you will. So break down for us, you know, what is an eco-fashion designer? Well, an eco-fashion designer now... Um, Basically, it's a person who is very conscious in the way you use the materials and uh, the way you create the productions. Like now we have a slow fashion and it's one of the ramifications. We do have now um, labs mm-hmm. and most of the time in Europe, they create um, um, fabrics based on of plants and uh, all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And most of the time, recycling materials, the less pieces of a fabric or recycle a wedding dress. So there is so many uh, techniques that you use into the eco-sustainable fashion um, yeah. that you, you just not create, it's, 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 it involves a lot of things. You work with local women, with artisan women, and give job opportunities. Uh, it's a lot involved. It's a lot involved in, in the eco-fashion. Absolutely. You know, and nobody does it quite like Lancora, that much I can say. And I can tell you right now, as mentioned on social media in weeks past earlier this year, that we have some big plans to talk about for the future, actually, that you and I have cooking up together. But before that, I want to detail the history of Glencora. So you began in 2007 with your own ritual fashion situation. And then the following year, you had another another collection that got a lot of acclaim. So let's talk about those early beginnings, you know, 2007, ritual fashion. Let's go back to the beginning. Of your career, what were those experiences like for you? Amazing because I was uh, recently uh, returning from Chile, mm-hmm. which I spent a few years learning uh, study fashion there, mm-hmm. and there is so much art that it was crazy because uh, I have just few months in Ecuador, and a friend of mine asked me, mm-hmm. "What do you want to do right now?" It's like. I want to do what I know, like fashion. So let's do a fashion show. So I um, I, I pick a place and then everything comes uh, by themselves. You know, when you have so much energy and so much passion, we have we make the casting and organize everything. My, in my first runway, I have 500 people, press, beautiful models, it was a very nice experience that I started working in my next collection, which um, was uh, fashion on the dance floor. Mm-hmm. 
Passion on the Dance Floor, when I have my first sponsors like Converse, yes. it was to me like, like the wow moment when I say, this is what I really want to do because I can, I can create a movement. I can, you know, we are so powerful. And, and like you say, this is a, the, the moment for women. We have the power to encourage other women, uh, to encourage kids and to encourage our family members. So I think one of the key in my beginning is always have that inspiration. Um, you can do fashion, but you can also always be together what you love, uh, by side your loved ones. Absolutely. Without question. So that's the key from my beginning. And you mentioned Converse in there, and you had that sponsorship early on. Now, of course, Converse is one of the most respected names in sneaker fashion, you know, in the culture in general. And if you never owned a Chuck Taylor, then you never owned a sneaker, at least once in your life. <laughs> you know, but let's hear about your dealings with Converse, you know, such a major brand. And early on in your career, you have this big sponsorship. What was it like working with Converse? It was amazing because I had the chance to go to their local business, you know, to the to the the, the Converse office in and get involved with all the things that Converse is doing um, worldwide. They support um, designers now. I'm very excited. I would love to work with them uh, right now because now Converse just launched their um, new line of uh, re with recycled materials and yes. you can design also your own shoes so it's very interesting it's very interesting the the the, the way uh, converse has a uh, um the, the, the way they work with the colors, the Pantone colors, the designs, and also how impact what you say you never wear a pair of converse you you know everybody wears and especially rock bands yeah so they they most of the time they support sponsor rock bands or people who has a very uh very powerful channel or you know celebrity star mm -hmm. and in that particular time uh it was just one a um uh very important fashion designer diaz mm -hmm. which is uh beyond uh, the designers and to, to me it was uh, I think that's the best experience I have in my beginning love it you know I mean, it's such a big start to having Converse back you up so early in your career now Glencora I want to know if you could go back and tell yourself one thing before beginning your career what would that be I will start uh, becoming an eco-fashion designer since number one. But in that time, um, it was totally new. To nobody, uh, the world doesn't have a, in, that, in, the, in that time, um, fashion, the eco-fashion designers. It mm -hmm. just was fashion. Mm -hmm. It takes time to develop the, 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 the level of consciousness in the creators. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. And, you know, I got to say, you know, it's like when you look at the career you've had so far, you know, it's pretty impressive just how quickly out of the gate you burst forward. I mean, you mentioned Converse earlier on, 
But then, you know, it goes on from there. You know, I mean, you had fashion on the dance floor, as mentioned earlier on, and then you became founder and president of the Association for Ecological Designers in 2009, you know, and from there, you know, it just continued to take off. You know, you worked with young entrepreneurs designing for the future as well, which is something I want to delve into. 47 students from different institutes and universities in fashion design came together and you were right there for the whole thing. You know, I want to know what it was like, you know, for you working with the future of fashion and giving back so early in your career. Well, I think that's the best that's the best experience I have as a creator because I express I express uh, so much love when I am in terms of passion and I tell the designers, the youngest one, now you have an opportunity, but do you wanna be a fashion designer or do you wanna be part of the change? Right. Because uh, and then I, it was amazing because I started knocking doors everywhere, the, the fashion institutes and the universities in the capital of Ecuador in Quito, mm-hmm. in Quito, Ecuador. And um, they don't, they, they were like, a, what is this? This is new. Like, a, yes. we have to run a competition when everything is equal. Mm-hmm. How are we going to do that? So it's like, let's start it. So uh, everything starts because... I was into the part of the um, na- uh, the annual year of uh, natural fibers from Fau Roma. Right. So we create Eco Fashion Week. And then the designers have to present a, col- a collection. The first uh, runway was inspired in nature. So we have like a thousands of flowers, roses, mm-hmm. when each designer has to show uh, an outfit made just by flowers and other um, ecological materials. And then um, I knocked the door to my to the government and they give me bunches of museums for free when in every in every step the the students have the opportunity to create uh, a specific piece, with uh, different kind of materials, but everything related to eco-fashion. So it was super interesting to see how everybody has set the idea of creating something new, how the students feel appreciated because they have an opportunity to expose their creativity in an amazing uh, in amazing places. Like, you know, imagine you have to make an exposition in a museum. I didn't. I, I, and, and, and have, I'm having a beautiful career and I didn't go that yet, but I give them the opportunity to, to, they, we give them the trainings. We got specialists in, uh, natural fibers and, um, in the, in the how to create micro businesses. So it goes far. So, so far I'm happy because all the designers that in, that I involve and they, that they get involved and they pass. Mm-hmm. Everybody is uh, have their own business right now, sure. and everybody is successful. And uh, I have at least three that are the one, the three of the tops in my country. That's amazing. So yeah. I, I I am happy to encourage students and tell them, you know, you have to, you have the choice, you have the future in your hands. Let's do it. And you did it well, and working with these students, you know, is a huge, you know, feather in your cap for your career, Glencora. 
And before we continue with your story, I want to remind folks who are just tuning in right now, this is the Chop Session with Sterling Golden on bostonfreeradio.com. Our guest this week is noted fashion designer Glenn Cora. Now, in case you miss an episode of the Chop Session or you tune in late, we got you. You can subscribe to the Chop Session with Sterling Golden whenever you listen to podcasts and you can catch each and every episode of our series, including tonight's episode with Glenn Cora. And with that being said, we continue on with our conversation here on bostonfreeradio.com. Now, Glencora, let's go back to 2012 with your story. You know, you represented your homeland of Ecuador via the Ministry of Foreign Affairs at Miami Beach International Fashion Week. And with the Ecuador Loves Life, Ecuador Ama La Vida collection in tow, a one-of-a-kind line with fabrics made in loom, tensile and lensing and footwear with recycling techniques and tagua accessories, you found yourself in the spotlight of national television. Ecuador loves life, okay? Let's hear more about that experience from your perspective. Well, in my perspective, I wasn't ready to see to see so much and learn so much, but at the same time, I was very uh, proud of uh, being... Um, the one who have to represent Ecuador. And it was such an amazing experience because I have the opportunity to um, share time with 55 fashion designers Mm -hmm. that went into the International Miami Fashion Week, three days of runway, one week into the, 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 this installation, when you learn a lot of things and share a lot of things, you have some uh, conference, um, press interviews when all the designers are together uh, in a special room with 300 um, social media uh, press. So um, I, 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 a lot of things comes to my mind that I can even describe that moment. But yeah, I think that to me was the beginning of dreaming. And, and and believe that I, I I want to do something beyond my imagination, which is become an international fashion designer and uh, go to New York, go mm-hmm. to other countries in the fashion weeks. And Certainly. I'm super happy that I had that time because I was the first fashion designer in the international fashion week, which uh, um, show um, collection with ecological fabrics like lensing. Lensing is the first and the most important um, company that create this um, Tencel, Modal, Viscosa, and Veronica, which is another new fabric. And with this um, cellulose, they create a fabric, which is uh, most of the companies are using now. And of course, my country has a lot of uh, artists and people who make things by hand mm-hmm. in uh, such an amazing traditional way that I can miss that. So it was very nice because I still working with a local community, which is like a family to me. Mm-hmm. I love them so much. And in this special place that calls Otavalo, it's a beautiful pla- place uh, surrounded by mountains and lakes. Mm-hmm. Um, they have so much creativity and so many um, artisans 
um, so I've, I've been I spent a long time there creating the accessories with Tagua and uh, looking at the, how they create the fabrics and know them how the how many years of like heritage. Mm-hmm. So creating something with all these kind of pressure materials um, give me the opportunity in my mind to go beyond myself and I create a collection with um with um a very um specific technique like uh, yeah. origami technique definitely so Miami fashion week is uh my first international fashion week that I really still love it absolutely you know I mean it shows in the work and from that experience really gave the world a good look you know, through national television, which we're all about. And speaking of exposure, Glencora, I want to know from your perspective, what role do you think social media plays in fashion today? The role that social media play right now is the most important in the fashion industry because by using, we have to, um, how do I say this? It's, it's, it's super important right now to spread, uh, like what I say in the beginning, is you help me a little bit, <laughs> eco-fashion. Yeah. What is the role that we have as a humans, mm-hmm. you know, as a contributing in the way we produce, in the way we consume, in the way we want to see the world? Mm-hmm. So social media is extremely important right now. And as you see now, with this pandemic, social media grows so much yes. that everything is online. And instead of having like a store, you sell online. So That's it true. gives also more opportunities for small business in every single area to, 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 to sell, to create something new, to communicate. Mm-hmm. So social media in the fashion industry is, is, is very important. It truly is. You know, I can't stress that enough. And really in any field of endeavor beyond even fashion right now, we cannot stress enough how social media has become so central in any field of endeavor in today's world. Now, Corey, I want to know, uh, you have a, such a fearless approach to fashion with your eco-friendly fashion designs and just all of the great presentations you've had with big brands, with television and so forth. But even the most fearless creators and curators of art have their moments where they have the butterflies, where they have fear. Now, I want to know, what was your biggest fear when going out and starting your own fashion line? Well, uh, there is a lot of fears because you need to, you need to first analyze the niche of the market you want. But in my case, I, you know, everybody has something great to give in life, mm-hmm. but I was thinking that I want to create something different in the way that I feel people connected with my ideas and I can give also something to the person that is part of it, but attached to their own personality. So my biggest fear was how can I create something for this person with this personality and just make them fall in love in my creativity? Mm-hmm. And 
In terms of that, I think my biggest fear that I have in all my time mm -hmm. is when I went to the New York Fashion Week because New York is the capital of the fashion and you are in or out. Yes. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I am in. <laughs> I love it. You know, I mean, I'll tell you, New York is one of the capitals of fashion, as you mentioned. I would put New York up there, like London, you know, Paris, Tokyo, Los Angeles, you know, I mean, definitely New York is an epicenter and always has been for fashion. And it's a great lead in for my next question, actually, about 2013, when you participated in New York's Green Festival, you know, I mean, then from there, you know, you had your fashions exhibited at the Embassy of Ecuador in Washington, D.C., you know, I mean, and just really all over the East Coast, you know, you began to make your name known, you know, in Washington at the OAS Festival. You know, I mean, there's just so many different avenues you've taken up here in the Northeast with presenting your fashion. So tell us about those early experiences you had working up in our area, you know, of the Northeast United States, New York, you know, New Haven, Washington, you know, tell us about that. Well, Green Fashion Festival definitely is very interesting because, um, it's a, it's a whole universe. All kind of um, products uh, make with um, in an in an, in an in a sustainable way. Mm -hmm. So so much interesting, and um, it was very nice because in that particular case, we we got involved. And when I say we, I'm talking about all the eco fashion designers from Ecuador mm -hmm. that are part of Ari the association of uh, eco-fashion creators yep. and uh, we have basically i was representing them so it was very excited to me talking about every single artist that is behind to every single piece yeah which is something that i am um, i gonna do in a couple of months in the future mm -hmm. um start um working with them uh, in a new uh, proposal that all of them are gonna have products in the United States. Yeah. So in in the, in, the, in the, so working with Washington DC is good also because my um, the ex ambassador Natalie Selly, which is um, the one who supported me in that period of time, mm -hmm. invite me to be part of um, different events in the embassy, mm -hmm. and of course they opened the the trade offices in a different part of the country. Uh, and in that way, I was allowed to show my vision, show the products, show what we can offer to this country, you know, because you always support things. And But these things were totally handmade mm -hmm. with a beautiful story behind to each product. Yes. So the Northeast is a, is is very special. I love this country, and I love this country because everybody's hardworking, and I came from a hardworking uh, country too. Absolutely. I mean, it's like it's what you put in, you know, that equals what you get out. You know, it's all about three things. You know, it's the blood and the sweat that you put into your work, and the respect that you get back, and you earn from the work you put in. And Glencora, you really exemplify that. Before we get further into our conversation to conclude, I want to remind people that this is the Chop Session with Sterling Golden here on bostonfreeradio.com. Our guest this week is Glencora. 
And in case you miss an episode of our series or you tune in late, we got you. Hit that subscribe button wherever you listen to podcasts for the Chop Session with Sterling Golden. And you can catch each and every episode one hour after premiere here on Boston Free Radio, including tonight's episode with Glencora and every Chop Session episode to date. Yes. So now back to Glencora. I want to know, Glencora, we've covered a lot of ground so far about your career here this week on the show. But out of all of this, what is your favorite part about being a designer? Well, my favorite part of being a designer, I have a fun part I would like to share. And is every time I have a challenge, a collection, a photo shoot, an interview, a trade show mm-hmm. is... My family is involved. <laughs> they don't let me go anywhere. Yes. But that that but they give me inspiration. You know, love is powerful. So it's 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 fun. I, I would love to share this particular um uh, story because please go ahead. My oldest son used to help me, um, which is Dylan's. He was one year old and he used to be in my place mm-hmm. walking, walking with a piece of um uh chalk. Mm-hmm. And trace the fabric yeah. one year old. Yeah. So for me, every collection has a family story behind. Mm-hmm. My daughter is always like, I want to do sketches with you and so and so and uh, make clothing for my dolly. Yeah. And if I didn't make at least one dress for one of her Barbies, I can start working my collection. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I think it's just um, beautiful. Beautiful to have that. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but it's, it's so important for me to share this particular piece of my life. I love that. You know, I appreciate the candor with delving into that part of your life story. You know, it really completes the picture of who you are, Glencora. Now, this being Women's History Month, and we're observing that here this week and all this month here on the Chop Session, I got to ask you. You know, how do you want women to feel when wearing your fashions? I wanted to feel comfortable. I wanted to feel to feel that they can uh, invite other women to wear my 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 products, mm-hmm. and I wanted to spread the message that is behind my brown, which is like a, you know. We, we have this uh, product, which is not something that makes me feel beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's something that uh, in somehow it has a slow fashion behind. Mm-hmm. And a lot of uh, it's an it's a ethical product. Yes. So I, I want these women to know that they're, they're looking beautiful, but they're also ethical. Absolutely. Now... There is so much pressure for designers to come out with their greatest collection season after season. Now, what advice at this point in your career would you give to young designers just starting out and hoping to make it in the industry of fashion? Well, my advice now that internet is uh, is the best resources to check what's going on is getting involved into conference i've been part of a lot of uh conference which is right now is free a lot of live sessions on instagram and it's so rich the information that i got from 
fashion designers from France, from Italy, from Rome, from Mexico, from Argentina, for so many countries. So yes. I think before create your your own idea is don't think in get the your name big. Don't plan to invest a lot of money. Don't plan to work, of course, create a base foundation in social media, which it has to be the key mm -hmm. in uh, in the proposal. But check around first what people like right now, what yes. people need right now, especially now that we keep fighting the pandemic yeah. and create a small capsules. Definitely. And if you have the chance, go to a fashion week, see, mm -hmm. see, talk to people. And then, uh, of course, my second recommendation, which is to me the most important, is always work with the Pantone color. Pantone color is the best mm -hmm. because we have to be ahead of uh, trends. Yes. And the, the color The color is super important. Mm -hmm. You know, we have classic people, but we can offer to everyone something with color. Mm -hmm. And the therapy color is very important to apply in each collection because colors is another way of sense mm -hmm. and express feelings. So my recommendation is that take your time and start creating small collections mm -hmm. and... Uh, Of course, working with recycled materials and seek for fabrics. Most of the time, mm -hmm. ecological fabrics have are soft, are intelligent, are hypoallergenic, antibacterial. So major research. That's my, my suggestion for the youngest designers. Mm -hmm. And I want to say to all of them that I am proud of you because you take the time to study hard for being created that... Don't give up. Exactly. That's the biggest thing, you know, is, you know, staying on your goals, respecting your goals and never, you know, letting up or giving up on fulfilling your destiny. I mean, that's how Glencora has become successful as she is today and why she will continue to be one of the foremost names in eco-friendly fashion in this world today. And speaking of the eco-friendly fashions of Glencora, You may have seen a teaser for this on social media from yours truly, Mr. Sterling Golden, earlier this year, at DJ Sterling Golden on Instagram and at DJ Sterling Golden on Twitter. We have an event coming up very soon, and we have more details coming up on that in the weeks to come, in which 320 Entertainment is working with Glencora, with Makeover Artistry, among others, for an event called Symphony of Fashion. And we're going to have some very cool details on this soon. But I can tell you now that, you know, the opportunity to work with Glencora, such a respected designer in the world of fashion, is a huge privilege for myself and for our team. And, you know, Glencora, from me to you, I'm excited. You know, it's going to be a great time for everybody who's involved in the event. I'm excited to share what we have planned. And I'm excited to have you up there presenting your fashion forward designs, your cutting edge, eco-friendly looks and presenting it for a whole new audience. This is an exciting time. Yeah, especially because it's my first time in Boston. Yes, <laughs> and yes I, it is. I, as usual, I am going to cry. I always <laughs> cry when I finish something that I work so much and I put so much love to 
That is, is amazing. I am super honored to be part of this uh, new project that I can wait to hear mm-hmm. uh, from you what it is. I'm very excited too. Absolutely. You know, if you, if you, for those of you out there listening right now, you can keep your tabs on social media in the days and weeks to come for more on Symphony of Fashion and what it's all about and what you can expect coming soon when this event takes place featuring the fashions of Glenn Cora, among other talented designers and other cool stuff happening for Symphony of Fashion as well. It's going to be a fashion lituation, no doubt, presented by 320 Entertainment. So, Glenn Cora, before we conclude this week here on the Chop Session, what is on the 2021-22 and future vision board for Glenn Cora? What's coming up for the future? Well, I... I, I, I Yes, this is the future. Well, I have it first. I have this amazing uh, event that um, I am. am, We are gonna work together with uh, with your cast and uh, Amy Richards and Donna Sosa and 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 other artists. I can't wait to meet them all. I'm currently working in three editorial photo shoots. Mm-hmm. I can mention it now because it's top secret. Yeah. And, uh, but it's very nice. I am super excited. I am super excited. I'm going to have a couple of nights without sleeping, but it's fine. Right. Um, I have um, something that I want to share, but I have to share in my social media in the weekend because I can say it's top secret too. But I'm happy because I also start working with misses. And it's uh, something that I was always dreaming. I think this is the best chance that I have to speak uh, straight to women. Like, you Mm -hmm. know, we can be a queen. Uh, we can be the woman who take care of the kids, who drive, who cook, who take care of the dog, who have their couple, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> we can be a queen. So I'm super happy to dress Mrs. Mm-hmm. And I can't wait to share <laughs> everything I'm doing. But so far I have this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have these uh, three editorial photo shoots, one in Louisiana, one in New York, and the other one is in Boston. And then I need to start developing my third collection for the New York Fashion Week mm-hmm. in September. Yes. Very, very cool. And we're excited as well, you know, for all you have coming up in the future, Glencora. I'm excited to see what you have. You know, we're all excited for your future out here, you know, and it's been a great time this week here on the CHOP session to speak with you here to conclude our celebration of Women's History Month. If you guys out there want to hear more about Glencora, you may do so at GlencoraComte.com. And of course, you can find Glencora on Instagram and get more information there as well about Glencora. You know, I'm excited. What can I say? You know, it's going to be a great well, time. Yeah, me too. I, I just want to say one more thing. Please. To every single designer that is in Boston or everybody who listens, what I say right now is use your voice. And remember, fashion has their beauty, but fashion also have social commitments. Mm-hmm. We work with women that 
they have situations when they've been abused. Mm -hmm. We work against child labor. We support a lot of uh, things that are important for this war. Certainly. And we really want to create beauty in every single way. We really do. I know you do. And you do it well, Glencora. If you would do it better. And, of course, again, you guys out there, GlencoraComte.com for more information. And follow Glencora Comte on social media at Instagram. And I believe you're also on Twitter at Glencora, if I'm correct. Glencora? Yes. Yes. I was saying I believe you're also on Twitter, too, at Glencora. Yes, yes. In Glencora Comte in Facebook. Very cool. Very, very cool. Glencora, it was a great honor to have you on this week, and we thank you for being on the CHOP session. I look forward to seeing what comes up in the future, and I look forward to working with you on Symphony of Fashion very soon. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you. You all out there, stay tuned for a very cool CHOP session throwback for you all in just a couple of minutes. So keep it locked right here on bostonfreeradio.com for more in a few minutes. Glencora, thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, y'all. Bye, everyone. Yes. We are back in a few. Y'all stay tuned. Once again, thank you to Glencora Comte for a great interview this week here on The Chop Session. And we'll hear more from Glencora as we get closer to 320 Entertainment's Symphony of Fashion happening this summer. Now, once again, y'all, in case you miss an episode of The Chop Session or you tune in late, say no more, fam. We got you. Subscribe to The Chop Session with Sterling Golden wherever you listen to podcasts, and you will catch each and every episode of our series one hour after premiere here on Boston Free Radio. And with that said, we have now for y'all a little bit more throwback audio here on the CHOP session to observe Women's History Month. This clip comes from September of 2015 from the old Monday Night Gold show from the old WEMF radio station. It features Boston Music Award winner Ruby Rose Fox. Now, a few years back, Ruby Rose Fox was the talk of the Boston music community. She has since gone abroad, but here... At the peak of her powers in Boston is Ruby Rose Fox talking with your man, Mr. Golden. And we have a performance in studio from Ruby Rose Fox from September of 2015 on Monday Night Gold, here to observe Women's History Month on the CHOP Session. Here is Ruby Rose Fox. With the brand new track, Ronald Reagan Killed the Radio. Here tonight on 320 Entertainment's Monday Night Gold, we give you the phenom, Ruby Rose Fox. One week, three days, five seconds since I broke the system. The comedians are losing their minds, and I'll be fine. But now there's one thing I know you don't know. Mmm. 
Monday Night Gold, fall season premiere, you guys. And here with me in the studio is, of course, the incomparable Ruby Rose Fox. Hi, darling. Hi, Ruby. (laughs) How are you? I am feeling dope. It's an awesome Monday night. It is uh, crazy popping in the life of Mr. Golden and even more crazy popping in the life of Ruby Rose Fox right now. It is a good life right now. I would imagine so. I mean, you got so much happening right now. Sound of Our Town. Let's start with that, with that right now, Ruby. This yeah. Thursday night, Lawn on D. Lawn on D. Talk about this. Sound of Our Town 2. Yeah, so this was put together by uh, Mike Morata through Vanya Land. Shout and, out, Mike. Yep. Woo, woo. And um, <laughs> the Boston Music Awards, mm-hmm. uh, which have a new format this year. And it's going to be such a cool show. Yeah. Um, Will Daly's playing. Mikey Holland's playing. I think... He wrote me into doing a uh, um, a special song with him. Oh, very cool. That should be fun. So it's going to be a really, really, um, I think, dynamic and exciting concert. I've never played there before, so mm. it's out on a big, it is like a huge lawn, and it's it's really fun, and I'm excited. Hope they have insurance in that place, because it's going to be on fire when Ruby Rose Fox performs. <laughs> yes. <laughs> My God, it's a beautiful outdoor venue i love the the swings of course i was a little boy saying that and the performances are top notch i've seen louis bello there among others and it's always a great time there oh good i'm excited definitely ruby it's gonna be an exciting night this thursday night for sound of our town too now for the newbies out there for those who may not be familiar with ruby rose fox until tonight talk to us about your beginnings your transition from the stage to the music industry Sure. So I had been doing theater in Boston for a few years. Um, 
and started writing my own one-woman shows, mm-hmm. and that was kind of the beginning of the end of theater for me. Right. I uh, just started realizing that I didn't have a lot of agency over my life or my career in direction, So, and also that I, I wanted to write my own words. You know, as an actor, you're always using other people's words, so... Um, yeah, so I had a guitar that I was using for uh, a Broadway callback for mm-hmm. a musical called Spring Awakening, and so I had a bad breakup, and it was just sitting in my room, mm. so I started writing songs, and it's history. In the making. <laughs> it's history from there. Well, yeah. you know. I mean, I'm curious, though. Actually, I know that your prior career was theater. Yeah. You know, I want to know. Like, I know that theater was not something that you completely enjoyed at the time at know, the end yeah at the, en- at yeah. the end you know yeah. i want to know i mean do you have like one particular memory you can throw at us from that time of your life about the theater oh yeah i mean mm-hmm. it was really fun too i mean i don't want to throw it under the bus um right um yeah like i <laughs> i had to play a lot of really weird fun roles including a old old man with the actor Shakespeare project. Um, they often have actors playing many many roles. So, right. um, so you know, I had one show where I had a lot of thirty second costume changes, and it was sort of insane and fun. And um, yeah, you mean pretty taxing, I would, I would imagine. It's, yeah, it's exhausting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and then. From there, of course, as we detailed a moment ago, the transition to music. Mm-hmm. And now, in the beginning, you began with The Dread in uh, 2012. Tell us about the background behind The Dread. I want, okay. I want to know more about this. So, I had been teaching a, um, or helped teaching a summer program with this ex- company I actually just mentioned. Mm-hmm. And there's a kids game called Little Sally Walker. Okay. Um, where you like go in a circle and the girls dance. Um, and so I kind of took that song and I also basically added um, this other narrative of my friend who was internet dating. Mm-hmm. And he, every time he would go out on a date, he said he had the dread. And I was like, what's the dread? And he said, Oh, I don't know. I just go out with them, and then I just feel this terrible feeling like three days later, and then I just never call them back. (laughs) Interesting. So it reminded that, I don't know, I think like that song, and then my friend's story, and then I kind of added Mac the Knife, which is like an old jazz standard. I love Louis Armstrong's version, personally. Yeah, me too. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of a, that song is kind of a combination of all those things together. Love it. Yeah. Love it. Love the dread, by the way, too. Good, Great thanks. Track. Now, from here to now, where do you see yourself today compared to the very beginning? Are you happy with the progress you've made and where you're at right now? Yeah, I am happy where I am right now. I think, I mean, I when I was first playing, I was not that good. I mean, mm-hmm. I had a voice and had been singing since I was a kid, but... I didn't know how to play guitar. I didn't really know how to write songs. I didn't know much about anything. I just knew that when I sang, other people said sing again. And I also knew that it gave me pleasure and that it was a way for me to intellectually and emotionally grow. So I was like, okay, this is a path. 
but I wasn't very good. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of demos curious now. <laughs> that I list. I know I should send you some of my old demos. Some of them are just horrifically, horrifically bad. Um, so I am happy because I feel like I really have grown over the last four or five years. Like I really do feel awesome. like I'm a different performer and a different band leader and a different songwriter, and that's encouraging. I mean, today you and your band are award winners and you have become one of the absolute hottest names in our community here in the 617 of Boston, destined to soon break, in my opinion, into the global scene. Okay, that's just sure. Now, whenever you step back and survey your achievements at this point, what honestly goes through your mind about it all? I mean, do you feel a sense of, you know, achievement? Do you feel like, you know, oh my God, like, you know, so much more that I can, I, I can do with this? I mean, what how do you, what do you see when you look, step back and look at everything you've done so far? Oh man, some of it's really surreal. Um, the the I mean the good things that have happened. There's a part of me that's like, what? How how did that happen? Yeah. And then there's another voice that goes, oh well, it's not that good anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's <laughs> another voice. Um, I don't know. That feels like. I don't I think when you, when you're when you know you're an artist and you know that's what you have to do that your whole life you know that how do I say this mm-hmm. I think there's like always going to be a discomfort and a dissatisfaction in an in an artist because they know how good they could be yeah and I think back when I started, I was miserable. Like, I was not a happy person. Right. I wouldn't say I'm the happiest person now, but I really wasn't happy. <laughs> and I yes. think part of that was knowing that I had a lot of potential that was not manifested. Right. It was not happening. Yeah. Um, so there is a part of me that goes, yeah, this is right. This is good. This is, this is what I should have done. And it's happening, and that that feels really good. You're becoming the person you are capable of being. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No doubt. That feels good. Definitely, you know? I mean, I saw you on the cover of Improper Bostonian not too long ago, and it was very gratifying for me as someone in the community to see one of our own, a homegrown, you know, talent of your stature just becoming that person, becoming that presence that is becoming one of the giants of the industry in Boston right now. Hot name of the moment. Oh, you're really sweet. Truth. You gotta speak truth to Monday Night yeah. Goals, what we do, you know? <laughs> the music, the facts, the stories, not just a sound bite, you guys. But definitely, you know, I mean, Thank but the you. thing is, you keep it humble. You know, you keep it humble. Trying to, yeah. You know, and you got it, though. You know, yeah. it's like yeah. when you become the hardest worker in the room, as you have, you know, it's like keeping it humble while chasing your greatness and claiming your greatness is all too important. And you're doing a great job at that. Right. You know, no doubt about it. Thank and, you. Next week here on The Chop Session, we kick off the month of April with an unmissable conversation featuring global pop star on the come-up, Rolex Rossethi. Rolex Rossethi has some great things happening right now, and we'll hear all about them and her story to date this Monday, 6 p.m., U.S. Eastern Time here on Boston Free Radio. And once again, in case you miss an episode of The Chop Session or you tune in late, we got you. Subscribe to each and every episode of our show by hitting that subscribe button where it says The Chop Session with Sterling Golden, and you will catch each and every episode of our show one hour after premiere. And you can find us on social media, on Instagram at Chop Session Show, and on Twitter 
at the chop session. And your man, Mr. Golden, can be found on Instagram at DJ Sterling Golden and on Twitter at DJ Sterling Golden with one G. We thank y'all for locking in with us throughout the month of March as we observe Women's History Month. And remember, y'all, women are to be celebrated each and every day, not just for a month, but every single day, y'all. Remember that, okay? This is the Chop Session. I say stop. Stop.